We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the show. It is Ivy Nation Sports Talk. We are up. We are rolling. Glad to have you with us. I know Brian and Ryan just finished a uh, commitment show on uh, on the channel. So it's a uh, a busy day and back in the regular time slot today. Ryan and I, because of the, you know the Erlacher commitment yesterday, Ryan and I did a uh, a show at one o'clock yesterday and then ryan and brian did a uh, a later show at six o'clock because of the urlacher commitment so it just keeps on rolling are you hearing a little static right now by any chance jess yeah just a little bit okay well i guess we'll have to keep an eye on it how are you today it's been a while i guess it's been about a week since we did a show together because it took off the end of the week last week yeah, uh, I've been, uh, you know, I've been better. It's cold. It's rainy. It's uh, May. I know, right? So it's like, it's, it's threatening to uh, good weather is threatening to come in over the next few days. Really, it's it's supposed to get better as the week goes on. We might actually see some sunshine here in South Bend tomorrow. It's just been wet and nasty all week long. Uh, you know, speaking of the commitments it's been you know a busy few days notre dame got commitments from first they got a commitment from bryant Young's son bryce you know hall of famer son over the weekend then kennedy urlacher mentioned that yesterday the son of hall of famer brian urlacher and uh today they get the four-star wide receiver commitment out of charlotte north carolina six foot three 203 pound micah gilbert currently the uh, the number thirty wide receiver in the twenty twenty four recruiting class. Did you have a chance to look at him a little bit? Look, you know, big, long, long strider. What do you think of him? Yeah, so I mean, the, the main thing I noticed um, was the fact that, like you talked about, he's a, he's a big, strong kind of physical wideout. Um, didn't really have like a whole bunch of stats in his last season. You know, somewhere around 40, 40 catches, four hundred eighty six yards. Um, and six touchdowns like those aren't eye popping numbers. Uh, so to me, it kind of shows, you know, that Notre Dame believes in the ceiling that is kind of there and, and what he can grow into frame wise, I guess, is what kind of stuck out to me. Because on paper, you know, he's not putting up the crazy stats, but he definitely has the build 
for someone who can be a big, strong kind of physical wide receiver, go up and be able to high point the ball um, with, with, uh, with ease essentially. Yeah. Another, uh, another, another four-star guy. So they, uh, they keep doing very well on the recruiting trail and, and looks like a guy who can turn into just kind of a, a big physical presence out there, which is, uh, which is good as well. Once, once he gets into the Bayless program, fill out that frame a little bit more, but he's got the size 6'3", 203 pounds right now in high school basketball got a commitment today as well speaking of some size Kerry booth six foot ten power forward he was supposed to originally play for micah shrewsbury at penn state but when shrewsbury came to notre dame he got out of his nil and uh, so this is going to be an incoming freshman for notre dame and uh, something that one he's the son of an nba player and the current denver nuggets general manager Calvin Booth, he's originally from Colorado, but finished his career at Brewster Academy Prep School in New Hampshire. And, uh, you know, again, a long athlete who can stretch the floor. And that's something that, uh, that's that been lacking from Notre Dame men's basketball over the last few years. Yeah, and, you know, Kerry Booth is, is, for that reason, is such a good commitment. I mean, you look at his composite grade. Um, on 24-7 sports. He's a four-star with like a composite, a composite of about 97, um, six foot 10, 205. You would like to see him kind of fill into that frame a little bit more, but I'm sure that's uh, what will happen once he gets on campus and starts going through workouts and etc. But it's something definitely to be excited about. I can't remember the last time that Notre Dame had a six foot 10, you know, power forward with that kind of athletic ability. So I think things are on the right track with Shrewsbury so, so far. And I think that's that's going to be the exciting thing in this first year is, is seeing kind of, you know, what what sort of commitments um, that he gets, because, again, they're not going to be great instantly. But I think something to be excited about is seeing him build the roster over time. Yeah. And I mean, just looking at all these, you know, three of the basically everybody that I've mentioned so far, you've got Bryant Young, Hall of Famer's son, Kennedy Urlacher, Hall of Famer's son, you know, coming a uh, Bryce Young, the son of Bryant Young. Of course, Micah Gilbert, I didn't mention, is the nephew of Hall of Famer Darrell Rivas, you know, of Rivas Island fame, the New York Jets and, and New England Patriot Darrell Rivas. And then, you know, again, like you turn to to uh, to basketball and the commitment, you've got the son of a Hall of Famer and in, or not a Hall of Famer, but an NBA player and general manager in Kerry Booth. So a lot of lineage coming to both uh football and basketball and of course they're also recruiting Jerome Bettis's son so I mean you could have another Hall of Famer's son coming in here pretty exciting kind of seeing these legacy guys coming in here recently <clears throat> definitely uh, on both fronts basketball and football it's always exciting to see you know recruits in general but when you start talking about the likes of you know the offspring of Hall of Famers I think that's something to be even more excited about legacy did, type of players. Did you say likes? Did you just tell everyone to hit the like button? Is that what you just did? I did. I, I, I snuck that in there. <laughs> do it now. Hit that like button. We do appreciate it. And of course, subscribe, rate, review, all that great stuff. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brian and I talked a little NFL draft yesterday. How are you doing right now in the post? The Dallas Cowboys had the chance to make us happy, but passed on Michael Mayer world. <laughs> um, you know, I, it's still, it's still a little bit hurtful. Um, but like I told you, like um, the defensive tackle pick, uh, not sexy, not something that pops off the paper. Um, but definitely was in need uh, considering, you know, where they stacked up in the run game last year. Um, I think it also will help their linebacker play um, a little bit as well. Um, and I think the yeah. biggest thing to me that was kind of funny is they, they baited Buffalo into trading up above them to take Kincaid. And, you know, cause the whole, everyone thought, or sorry, the Cowboys were going to take a tight end. So Buffalo trades up ahead of them, grabs the number one tight end off the board, in their opinion, um, and then Dallas goes defensive tackle. I think that it was just a chain of results because I think if they if that didn't happen, I think that the defensive tackle potentially could have you know fallen down to to Kansas City because I think Kansas City was also looking to take a tackle. So not very fun. It's not like the CD Lambs or the Micah Parsons or the Ezekiel Elliotts of you know prior drafts where they'd have a, a, a number one pick and go with something more fun. Uh, but it's definitely something that they needed. Um, and that's what I've convinced yeah, myself of. And I'm just, I just, you know, and I get it. They addressed a need. And, you know, we we talked about it yesterday. We don't have to kill it, but it's just, it's just very, very disappointing. Cause now I see like the guys on the Cowboys beat are, you know, they, there was a video that one of them tweeted because people are talking about, oh, the schoonmaker, you know, the tight end that they ended up with. Oh, he could, he can be a pass catching threat. And, you know, this one of the guys is, he's like playing Baghdad Bob and, and, and I think his name is actually Bobby belt, you know, and he's like tweeting out, Oh, Schoonmaker already is a pass catching threat as he tweets these highlights of, I don't know how many Indiana Maryland, you know, as the opponent from Michigan that, that were in this highlight reel of Schoonmaker. It's like, okay. And he did it for one year, you know, Michael Mayer. It's not like he didn't have a track record becoming Notre Dame's all time leading tight end but bygones i think i, I think you know? that's actually the pick that made me more frustrated is they, they the, all the good tight ends were gone so why did you even waste a pick 
on Schoonmaker essentially. And it was even more painful right. that both the picks were back-to-back Michigan guys. So that wasn't yeah. really enjoyable exactly. as well. <laughs> exactly. Well, a lot's happened. We'll we'll leave that in the past. NFL draft was over the weekend. A lot's happened to Notre Dame, of course, during this offseason. It's been a um an interesting one. So let's let's start with this, Jess. Give me one word to describe Notre Dame's offseason to this point. Um, one word is tough, but I'll give you one phrase moving a lot of moving parts. Okay. And I say that with, you know, just uh, obviously the transfer portal reopening, a lot of guys entering that I think might have caught some people by surprise, myself included, some guys that I didn't think were ultimately going to transfer. Um, you have your offensive coordinator, you know, departing. You have a new offensive or, and your offensive line coach departing. You have a new offensive coordinator, a new offensive line coach, new quarterback coach. Um, a lot of different kind of moving parts in the defense in, in terms of, you know, it seems that they, they, they would like to be blitzing a lot more. So to me, there's just a lot of moving parts on the team right now. And I don't say that in a bad way. It's just that, you know, next to, as soon as you look, it seems like something else is going on. There's another moving piece <laughs> to the puzzle. Yes. It just keeps shifting, you know, and that's kind of the way the whole off season went. We had uh, turbulent from Jason was his word. From salty, schizophrenic, you know, a couple couple of good ones right there. And what was your original word again, Jesse? Moving parts. Moving parts. That's actually two words. So you cheated. First you gave me two words, and then you gave me a phrase. You didn't actually give me one word. So we might have to kick you out of the show. I don't know. <laughs> hey, I can go to the gym and start getting some warm-up shots in. Yeah. I mean, my word is unpredictable because from start to finish, and you kind of touched on it, you know, with, with some of what you were talking about there, just the unpredictability, you know, going, going back, you know, like technically the off season began when the Gator Bowl ended December 30th, but really, you know, just a few days after Notre Dame's final regular season game, bless you against USC, <laughs> as Jesse squeezes out a few sneezes there. You know, you had the whole Drew Pine leaves right away as soon as he finds out that, you know, Tyler Buckner's probably going to be the starting quarterback or at least competing to be the starting quarterback again in the Gator Bowl. And and as he finds out that they're going to bring in a transfer, so it, then, you know, the Gator Bowl ends, Hartman transfers in, and then you've got Tommy Reese, of course, leaving to become Alabama's offensive coordinator in February. I mean, like that one – that to me, you know, that was that was really the start of just this onslaught of what else is going to happen. Because at that point, you know, if 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 all you had was Tommy Reese leaving, you can go okay. Because I've you know, some people were split on that, and I think some people still are split. Even though as time has gone by, maybe they're leaning a little bit more towards okay, good riddance or or whatever slash celebrating. But Reese leaving prompts Harry Heastan to retire, so it's like you know. A little bit of a sucker punch, and then you get a gut punch with Harry Heastand retiring after after Tommy left. Then you get the whole Andy Ludwig fiasco, that whole thing, you know, everything that happened with that, you know, not paying the buyout, all this, you know, this this saga. It looks like they've got their guy, they're out in public. Andy Ludwig's gonna be the offensive coordinator. Nope, that's not gonna happen. So 
They end up with Jared Parker. Of course, they bring in Gino Gadouli. I think for the most part, you know, people seem pretty happy about Gino Gadouli. But again, it's like, you know, all these twists and turns that this path led to. Still kind of finding out what Parker is going to be, but we'll touch on that in a little bit. And then, you know, Harry Heastan's replacement ends up being Joe Rudolph. Okay. I, I think for the most part, people ended up being happy with that. But then you've got these flirtations with Notre Dame's assistant coaches with the NFL. And then Brian Mason, who in one year turns Notre Dame into an elite special teams team, takes off to go to the Indianapolis Colts. And it's like, oh, here we go again. You know, we thought we were done with this. And then they end up with Marty Biagi as his replacement. And, uh, you know, it's, I think, pretty solid returns so far on him. That'll really be determined, you know, once we get a chance to see him out on the field, you know, when it's when it's real in the fall. But then in the span of a week, as spring practice is winding down, you get Lorenzo Styles, Prince Kali, Tyler Buckner, and, of course, Logan Diggs all hitting the transfer portal. So, I mean, it's, you know, again, it was uh, it was just very unpredictable because it seemed like the you know, seemed like things had definitely settled down. And then when all this transfer portal stuff came up, you know, you, you really it's like, man, what it's <laughs> what else is going to happen at this point? You know? Yeah, and it, it's it, it's just kind of crazy the the full cycle of everyone coaches players that are just kind of on the move right now, and I think that it it is going to be um, important for Marcus Freeman because this is you know players that he necessarily didn't recruit are a lot of the guys kind of departing, or you know was kind of the end of you know BK's. Um, legacy here is, is a lot of those guys were kind of like some of his final recruiting class. Um, and then you had a lot of guys retained, you know, from, from BK staff. And so now Marcus Freeman is, uh, is it's a largely, you know, Marcus Freeman recruited team. It's a largely Marcus Freeman um, staff. And so I hope that that goes in a positive direction because it is now, you know, he is shouldering more of the load essentially. And you can now, put more blame or success on him if things go good or bad. And so I'm excited for that because I think it's, I think Marcus Freeman deserves the opportunity to build his staff and his roster the way that he wants and not have to feel, you know, kind of recycled on a lot of these guys. And I know it sucks to see a lot of these transfer portal guys go, but in my opinion, there's a reason why a lot of these guys are going because they fear the competition that is either ahead of them or they fear the competition that is behind them with a right. lot of younger, more, I, I would say a better recruiting class than what they've seen before. And so you're kind of sandwiched in between these guys who are definitely the starters and then the guys behind them that are younger, more athletic, more explosive. And so, I mean, I, if those guys want to leave to me, it's like trimming the fat. And I've kind of said that before and it sucks in the moment to see, you know, some of these guys leave, but to me, you're trimming off the fat and Marcus Freeman is establishing the roster that he wants and he's establishing the roster that is filled with talent. Unlike talent. I think that we've seen before at Notre Dame. Yeah. I mean, that's the silver lining in all this, right? Is that even though you lost some talented guys, none of them were going to start this year. And that's part of the reason that they decided to leave because they weren't going to start to me. The, the, the biggest, the biggest ding in this whole thing 
as I say, none of them were going to start. Like Logan Diggs started right. some games. He was split last in, year and split in time. Yeah, yeah, and he was going to be a big contributor. Like he's he's the biggest loss in this whole thing. Yeah, but, but look again, at what Payne has done in the spring well, game. That's and, and that's I think what that's what's kind of pushed him a little bit. The fallback is it, well, and not just Payne, but you've also got Jadarian Price coming right. back, and what what that is going to look like, and like. Was it a matter, was that part of the deal or was it also, you know, the combination of your just right off the top, no matter what, you're going to be splitting carries with the Audric Estime and then who knows what these other guys are going to do, you know, how much they're going to take away from it. And this is a guy who's going into his junior season as a running back and he apparently wants to be a feature guy somewhere where he's going to get the lion's share of the carries as he looks toward an NFL career. Yeah, Which I can't blame him. No, I can't blame him for, but at the guys, same time, if you're talented enough and you're out there on the field doing your thing, like I, you know, like plenty of teams have showed it before. You don't have to be a feature guy in college. Yet that that actually is better for you in the long run because it 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 takes away pounding and it takes away hits on your body. If you're splitting carries and your team is winning and you're still, you know, it's like as long as your yards per carry is up over five yards and, and you're showing good stuff on film, it it shouldn't matter. But at the same time, he obviously decided that it did. Yeah, and the, the common denominator for most of these guys, Styles, Buckner, Diggs, um, and, and Pine too, I believe, is, you know, these are all guys that are at kind of junior eligibility level. And that's, you know, when the draft conversation starts to happen and these guys – you know, deservingly so, want to give themselves the best opportunity at playing at the next level. And so, again, it's unfortunate that, you know, some of these guys have to leave, but ultimately they were going to be more so of kind of depth pieces. You know, Buckner was going to be a backup quarterback and provide depth. Lorenzo Styles struggled at wide receiver, and so they were converting him over to corner to provide depth in the secondary. Um, Logan Diggs, again, a guy that was splitting carries, but ultimately was, you know, a depth, a depth piece behind Audric Estimane. Those guys wanted to be premier players uh, coming up on their you know junior level of eligibility and and wanting to get to the next level. So it's funny though that a lot of these guys you know and and seeing where they're going to land. I mean, it's like Ohio State is getting Notre Dame's I guess quote unquote leftovers. Alabama is getting Notre Dame's quote unquote leftovers, and then you know to see where Kali and Diggs go. I mean, people are getting kind of Notre Dame leftovers. So I don't think that you can say anymore that you know, that a recruiting problem is a thing here because teams are more than welcome to take some of these guys that, you know, want out of Notre Dame, essentially. Yeah, exactly. As Jason says, haven't lost a starter yet. And that is... And that's the reason. Starters probably aren't going to be transferring because they're starting. (laughs) Exactly right. Salty, going back to the departed for his word, for the off season. <laughs> That's what like, I'm the guy who does his job. You must be the other guy. <laughs> That's the first thing I think of when I think of departed. Good. That and Jack Nicholson doing crazy stuff. So let me ask you this. Do you feel better or worse about the Irish right now compared to December 30th when the Gator Bowl came to a conclusion? Um, I feel... I feel better about it because I believe you're going to like if let's look at this both sides of the ball starting defensively I think you're going to see an improved um decent defensive line as a unit I you know obviously losing Foskey 
is unfortunate, but I think overall as a defensive line unit, they're going to be better. I think the linebackers are going to be better. I think the secondary is going to be, you know, as good, if not a little bit better. So I think overall defensively, I feel much better about that. Um, Offensively, I feel better because there was an upgrade at quarterback. Um, Most of the running back room is still intact. Obviously Diggs is gone. So you're a little bit uneasy about that, but you know, that price and pain are going to be kind of picking up the slack and, and touching those carries. Um, and then you start looking at wide receiver and I feel like they upgraded at wide receiver, you know, based off of what we've seen in practices in the spring game and knowing that, you know, Sam Hartman is going to get you the ball. So I would say, I feel, you know, a, a little bit better about offense. The only uneasiness is what is it actually going to look like in game full offense with the new offensive coordinator, you know, a little bit different of an approach, you know, play calling, et cetera. But, I would say overall the defense is in a better place and the offense is in a slightly better, slightly better place place as is. And so overall, since the end of the bowl game, I feel better. And I feel that again, that they've kind of trimmed off, you know, some of the fat, some of the guys who didn't necessarily want to be here anymore. And I think if you want to have a strong unified program, everyone's got to be bought in on wanting to be here, knowing their role and contributing. And I think that that is kind of where they're at right now. And, I, until, you know, we see them in the game, that's when it's really going to be, you know, proven because we can only speculate so much at this point. Yeah. Going back to the Logan Diggs price thing, D-Hawk says price was 1A or 1B before he got injured. Diggs was definitely losing carries. And I, I mean, I, I don't completely disagree with that. And, my, and I'm, I don't disagree with he was 1A or 1B before the injury. I, I think that's for sure. Him getting injured last year gave Diggs more, more opportunity last year. What I would say is Price is still coming off an Achilles, so we we can't say for sure what he's going to be this year. And, I mean, I don't even think Diggs can say for sure that he's necessarily losing carry. You know, he, he would lose some carries assuming that, that Price – is healthy, but we still don't know that he's going to be 100% because he had just started to do some running toward the end of spring and he'll do more running, you know, over the course of the summer. So, you know, it's like there is still at least a little bit of a question mark there, but I, I do agree. Like between him and Jeremiah Love coming in, there's, there's still, you know, a lot going on, a lot of good things there. So it's like, I'm not, I'm not losing sleep over Logan Diggs leaving you know like good guy did his stuff did his job had a good season last year but there's a lot behind him in terms of if I feel better or worse I agree with pretty much everything you were just saying about where the program is right now I think it is only a good thing that you know when you have when you had a combination of a hold you know a a holdover coach a coach who got promoted to being a head coach, and you still had tentacles back to the old regime, you know, a successful regime, but still tentacles going back there. I, I think that it's good that Marcus Fre- Marcus Freeman's fingerprints continue to get, you know, deeper and more widespread across the program. It is only a good thing. And a big part of that, obviously, is the recruiting, but another part of that is assistant coaches who you know, share the vision that the head coach has. And you can be, and I'm not saying that that other guys didn't because, you know, 
again, let's be honest, there weren't a whole lot of guys left over anyway. But the more guys you have both on your team and on your staff who share the head coach's vision, the better. You know, there there were with the new head coach and some new position coaches, new coordinator last year, there were guys who weren't 100 percent bought in. And I, I think that most of those guys are gone now. So I think that I definitely feel better. Like I, I thought it was an interesting comment. And of course, a funny comment that uh, Derek made earlier. I'd rather watch Tommy having quarterback issues from afar. And this is something that, you know, like if Tommy Reese had stayed, you know, a Notre Dame guy and all that, but his offensive philosophy, and we saw it last year with the offense, his offensive philosophy was obviously deeply rooted in the Brian Kelly philosophy. And again, they won a lot of games with that philosophy, but at the same time, I think that as you want to keep recruiting bigger and better quarterbacks, bigger and better wide receivers, just you know, across the board, that that skill position type talent, I think that having a fresh a fresh kind of set of eyes and a fresh approach, you know, even if the base of what you're going to run is going to be very similar. I think that that, that fresh set of eyes that starts with the head coach, that vision, I think that's only a good thing for this program going forward. Definitely. So what's your biggest concern right now? My biggest concern right now would just be the fluidity of the offense, you know, what it looks like in terms of pass run breakdown, um, the synchronization between running back and quarterback, wide receivers and quarterback, just like the overall fluidity of things. Uh, you know, it's a new system, new coaches, new personnel. And it's one thing to go against each other in the spring um, and, you know, look pretty decent in the spring game, but it's all vanilla. And so I need to see, you know, what that looks like in, in the face of adversity uh, you know, that basically getting kind of looks that you weren't prepared for. Um, and, and, you know, just overall what that looks like, the unison of the offense and how synchronized they are when they're going against someone else, you know, other than themselves, essentially. So your concern is what this Jared Parker offense actually looks like and how it's able to perform. Yeah, I mean, you're piecing and, together and things, a new offensive coordinator, new quarterback coach, new quarterback, new offensive line coach. You know, filling holes on the offensive line, guys that are not really proven at wide receiver, but have shown that they can step up to play wide receiver, um, et cetera. So all of that coming together under, you know, the vision, uh, the overall game plan of how much they want to run the ball, how much they want to pass the ball, you know, and everything of what that looks like. That's got to be my biggest concern overall. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I think mine is more just with what's going on at safety, how, how that's going to be addressed. Now, you know, the transfer portal just closed, which means entering your name in the transfer portal closed. Notre Dame currently has 82 scholarship players, which means they have three more to give. And what they're able to find at safety in the portal is still to be determined. But there is obviously not a lot of depth there. And really, Xavier Watts is the guy who I I think that I would say you can 100% count on at this point. And the other two guys, you've still got it figured out. You know, and are you going to move... You know, how, how much is Barnes going to actually contribute back there? Does Clarence Lewis potentially still figure into that? Like, that's that's my biggest concern is what happens at the back end of uh, of the secondary. And, you know, they they addressed, like, Chris O'Leary, like, they're, they're recruiting right now at that position has still got to get better. We continue to see you know, both both high-end talent and depth at a lot of these other positions, we're still waiting to see that at uh, at the safety position. So both for right now and for the future, that's a question. Like, the offensive skill positions across the board from a recruiting standpoint are, have gotten so much better just in, in the last two years. So I'm not, like, I'm not concerned with what's going on there because I think with what they've got with a veteran quarterback coming in plus a very talented wide receiver room and running back room and you know the 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 offensive line as well I think the the offense is going to be fine this year and in fact I think it is really going to flourish this year like that's actually what I'm most confident in is the fact that Sam Hartman is going to be a difference maker for this offense this year having that kind of veteran presence there and He's going to make the offense look different just by him being there. And like, you know, again, like I saw Derek was uh, was saying earlier, you know, like the fact that you're going to throw the ball more is going to take away from the running game. I think that you're actually just going to see something closer to balance. Like, I, I think that that passing game will actually help open up that running game. And you're still going to have a really strong running game. But it's just that you're going to be able to take deep shots and the quarterback is going to be able to hit deep shots in that offense. So like that, I'm actually really confident, confident in the fact that he's going to be able to distribute the ball differently than what we've seen for the last several years. Yeah. Even though overall carries might be down average yards per carry will probably be pretty similar, you know, if not higher because of the the more of the threat in the passing game. I mean, you're not going to be able to step up in the box as much, um, linebackers and safeties are going to have to honor the pass game more. Um, and so when you're hitting on your shots, taking your shots, you might not run the ball as often, but you're going to be f- just as effective, if not more, um, in terms of, you know, overall production and yards per game, yards per carry, etc. cetera. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a great balance of, you know, pass and run. And I think that's going to be the fun thing this year is they can be effective at both but how do you, you know, what's that combination look like? And I think that's going to be, you know, a game to game type situation of, you know, we're looking to run the ball this much, or we're looking to pass the ball this much. 
And that's just going to be based off a of matchup, you know, what the defense is giving them. Yeah. DT wanted to guess uh, my favorite ice cream flavor. Mint chocolate chip actually was probably my favorite flavor growing up. I would say right now, I actually love peppermint ice cream. Now, obviously yeah. more seasonal, you know, around the holidays. <laughs> Jesse's sister and I are big peppermint ice cream Both of those are fans. horrible. Well, what's your favorite? I don't eat as much mint chocolate chip now. I actually prefer, you know, something, you know, like with a little, uh, you know, like um, like your grandpa <laughs> likes that. What what is he like? That uh, that uh, toffee to- toffee chocolate chocolate, chocolate toffee? toffee thing. Like what what's what's your numero uno right now? I actually like a good like mocha fudge with some chocolate peanut butter fudge. Those would probably be my favorites actually right now as well beyond the peppermint i just enjoy a good reese's ice cream vanilla ice cream with you know peanut butter cups in it that's that's probably my favorite ice cream <laughs> uh shy town likes huckleberry father david says mint <laughs> chocolate is gross <laughs> stereotypical what are you <laughs> talking about what's stereotypical about that <laughs> and then enigma says neapolitan ice cream is where it's at i'm just not a strawberry fan yeah i'm not a strawberry anything yeah see and then father david says coffee ice cream is awesome salted caramel is great that's not bad mint chocolate belongs in the trash. <laughs> i do like i do like the you know like the mocha chocolate you know mocha coffee with with a little chocolate you can never go wrong with cookie dough ice cream as well but that's probably a little bit sweeter uh, for some people see that's a little bit more generic to me these <laughs> days the cookie dough ice cream all right I'm most confident. I don't think I got to. Uh... Yeah, I was going to say, did you give your most confidence? What's what's what are you most confident in? By the way, Derek, I like this. Can we get a bubble for Hartman like <laughs> Costanza's <laughs> oven mitt? Well, remember, Costanza's oven mitts came off and he fell into the iron at one point. So, like, how often are those oven mitts going to stay on for Sam Hartman? But I don't. I don't disagree. Just bubble wrap that guy and roll him around campus, I guess. <laughs> What's your confidence, Jesse? I'm I'm going to probably shock a lot of people here. I am confident that we are going to see a much improved um, linebacker group this season. I think that the linebackers are really going to excel, and I, I'm very confident in that in combination of you know what's behind them in the secondary and what's in front of them with an improved defensive line. I just think overall it's going to be um, an improved unit, and I'm very confident in that. And that's not even to say, you know, that they were a very uh, – again, last year they were a, a pretty solid unit, and we can argue that, you know, for days. Um, but I thought that they were a very good, effective unit that didn't show up at times last year when it mattered most. And I think that's what stuck with a lot of people is when they really needed – you know, the offense really needed them to kind of step up, they weren't there. But I think we're going to see an improvement this year. I think that uh, it, until the offense, you know, kind of gets its footing a little bit early on, the defense is going to be relied on um, and they're going to step up to the occasion. And that's largely going to be because of their linebackers uh, being the leaders and field generals out there um, and, and really just commanding the defense. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I, I do think that the linebacker play is going to be improved this year. My you know, my my biggest question is is what happens with Leah Fowl and what that looks like. You know, I think I think a lot of people are wondering that, but I, I think that overall, 
linebacker play is going to be improved because I think these young guys coming in are going to push some of these guys and they're going to get some opportunities. It might start off as sub packages, whether it's Ziegler or Snead or whoever it happens to be, or, you know, like those, those kind of guys, I, I, it might start off in sub packages, but I think that they're going to continue to get more opportunities if, if these veterans don't get it done. So I'm kind of excited to see the linebacker play this year, actually. All right, Jess, good luck in your basketball game tonight. Don't foul out. No technical fouls. Don't <laughs> Try be the my true, hardest. Don't be the true Draymond. All right, we appreciate you guys for joining us and gals for joining us tonight. As always, hit the like button on your way out. And, of course, subscribe, rate, and review on your podcast channels. Leave us a five-star review. We appreciate you, and we will talk to you tomorrow on IB Nation Sports Talk.